Today I'm introducing you to Dan Krieger, who is a dear friend of mine. He also comes from Belgium, like myself. And as we were sitting down and getting ready for this podcast, he sat at the piano and played and created some beautiful sounds. So instead of introducing with words, Dan, why don't you introduce our listeners to you with a bit of you playing? Of course. beautiful thank you thanks so I met Dan as I, we were both studying at the Jerusalem Academy of Music two young people passionate about music in particular we were fascinated by classical music together and what we'll do with you today is share with you some insights into music as the two of us two people who gave much of their life to study and understand and appreciate music because you see it's one thing to play music but students of music true students of music take time to really understand music and form an understanding of what music tells us about the nature of the world and about the nature of our appreciation of it. So Dan, let's start our conversation 
what would you like to share with us today? Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. You know, I listened to your previous podcast with uh, Rabbi David Foreman. It was uh, interesting because he, he wanted to highlight the similarities between music and the Torah, and more specifically between tonality and the Torah. Um, I find that there are more apparent similarities between speech and music. You talk about it in, in sure. your video series, between speech and music, between, between writing and music. You know, for example, let's take writing music. In music too we have words in the form of notes. In music too we have phrases. In music too we have paragraphs, you know, sections. And so this is at the very basic level we see already uh, very very appar apparent similar similarities between between text and music. And you know even the the the, the word text in Latin it, it means it comes from texere, which means woven. And the idea be behind woven is that everything is interconnected. You, you take a phrase in text and you, you, you displace it. The, the, the paragraph doesn't mean anything. It, it loses all of its meaning. Same thing in music. Right. You know, even two basic phrases... Displace you, you swab those two phrases and you 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 have something that doesn't make any sense. You see, right. so so everything has to be interconnected. This is already at the very basic level, but the similarities between between music and and writing goes way deeper than that. You know, uh, you know Daniel Barenboim. <laughs> He's a pianist that you, you don't like very much, I know. Indeed. <laughs> but I listened to one of his videos a while ago and he told something which I took a while, I, I took years to understand. He said music never only loves and music never only cries. It always cries and loves, loves at the same time. So, <clears throat> so I listened to that years ago I, and I never understood it until I came across the, the idea that, and I think we talked about, we talked about it uh, in, in the past, the idea that in a great novel the characters are not 100% good or 100% bad. Even the heroes of, let's take Dostoevsky, they have something bad in them. And the most, the most, the most horrible character have something good in them, such that the the reader can can relate to each one of the characters, because a character we can't relate to is a character too many because he has nothing to teach us. It's only in children's book that. We, good characters and 100% good and bad characters are 100% bad. And so I, I was confronted to this idea and, and immediately I thought to myself that the same thing is true 
with music. And I thought of this of this thing that Barenboim said that music never only loves and music never only cries. A good work of art should have the ability to to remind us of the of both the brightest and the darkest moments of our past. And also a good work of art must have the ability to project us into both the brightest and the, and the darkest moments of our future. And I, I'm convinced by it deeply because let's take for example, you know, um, even very sad moments in Bach concertos, you see, the, the, the A major concerto it's it's deeply sad but it's, it has something very very fun it's not a word of course very very joyful about it i don't know i don't know to, to explain it but but it's never 100 percent happy or 100 percent sad mm. i identify with what you're saying i also always felt that music has the power to lift us from whatever yeah. we're going through because it integrates it all as part of a story, as part mm -hmm. of a journey. And I point out technically that the tension in music is just as important as the relaxation. Yeah. And maybe it helps us see our lives a bit that way, that the, the trouble we go through is just as important as the relaxed things we go through. It's, it's funny that you, you talk about relaxation and tension because I came across also the idea, I don't know if I heard that from a video of, of Stephen King or Neil Gaiman, I don't remember, but basically what what i heard is that in a, in a, in a book the author has to create tension between the characters you know disagreements and agreements but there is a, a particular ratio of agreement versus disagreement that they have to maintain in order to keep the lecturer's attention and it's the same thing in music you see mm. if if there is if there are too many too many uh, dissonance it's 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 going crazy, but the right amount of consonance and the right amount of dissonance that exactly. keeps our attention. So See? maybe that's what gives us our feeling in music that it's never just happy or just sad yeah. because it always presents yeah, of both course, of them. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. And so, and so, like in like in a good book, even in music. A passage, a musical passage that we can't relate to because it's too happy, but we are depressed. It, it's a passage too many because because it has nothing to make us feel. This is the reason why a depressive person can listen to a, a, a very joyful music and vice versa. A very, very, very uh, happy person can listen to the second movement of the third concerto by Rachmaninoff, which is very, very dark. And uh, because inst instinctively we think that a depressive person listens to depressive music, but it's not the case at all, mm. at, at least for myself. I don't see any evidence for that. To be honest, I never found any music to be depressive. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very hard when people describe music as depressing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I once presented some of my recordings to... 
a certain person and he said why is everything so depressing and what he meant to say of course is that i pretend to play slow yes. mellow music reflective music nostalgic music but why is that depressing i don't find that depressing eternal music is depressing yeah can you agree on that <laughs> i don't call that music you know <laughs> you know um to talk about, to 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 continue with in this in this idea so those are the similarities between writing and music but there are also a lot of similarities between speaking and music you know I, at the academy i had a, a teacher whose name is Odette Chumroni and he told us that he had a, a teacher that that wrote a book and the book was about the relations between music and natural expression and what i mean by, by natural expression is the way we speak and also the way the way animals express themselves so for example in her book she wrote that uh, when animals were very happy they tend to for, for example birds they tend to sing um, alternatively very low and very high in very unexpected unexpected way so it's not like a it's not like that it's, it's, it's like that you know we we can't we can't uh, think of we can't predict whether you're going up in the scale and down in the scale so so even in music we see that we see that happening in very happy passages it's fast and goes up and down in very unpredictable ways. So this is a, uh, a relation, a similarity between, between um, natural expression and music. We also see that even, even when we speak, you know, even us human beings, when we want to be assertive, the pitch of our voice goes down. It's called, I think it's called the down talk. Mm. When we want to be questioning, the pitch of our voice goes up, isn't it? You see, you heard yeah, it, isn't true. it? Yeah, yeah. Same thing in music. I used to have this trouble with South Africans always, because people in our cultures tend to say, when they ask a question, would you like a cup of water? Yeah. They go up at the end. Whereas I found in South African accent, they go down for a question, oh, yeah? which is very <laughs> interesting. They ask, would you like a cup of water? <laughs> did you like it <laughs> and I, it took me a long time to learn when I'm around them that they're actually asking me a question because I, I used to just nod my head thinking they're saying a statement maybe they're very, very assertive in nature <laughs> <laughs> it also relates to how they say that the reason people love Morgan Freeman in movies is because he speaks with a very low yeah. voice which gives people relaxation and uh -huh. assurance as if because someone is very warm voice dictating also. you in a way not yeah. dictating but taking care of you mm -hmm. for example you know the cadenza uh, cadenza in Italian means cadere, which means to fall. It's not a coincidence. Falling means going down in pitch. Mm -hmm. Going down in pitch means being more assertive. It's more deter determined. It's more uh, stable. It, um, for example, this resolution is less stable than this one. Right, just to explain to the listeners, when yeah. we speak about cadenza, it's a musical term for the ending of a phrase, the ending of a part of mm -hmm. a musical piece. Yeah. Indeed. And also, I did recently a study, I tried to understand what's the difference, indeed, if we're speaking about it, between happy and sad pieces. 
and I sat here with my student and we had to make notes on each piece we listened to, mm -hmm. but what defines it, and I chose a few pieces that we agree mm -hmm. on that it's happy and a few that we agree on that it's sad, and the only difference we were able to find between happy and sad pieces or the, the happier ones were no. <laughs> the, the happier ones jump a lot more. Yeah. They're much jumpier than the other one. They use a lot shorter notes. Yes. The pieces that people mm -hmm. identify as sad, the songs people identify mm -hmm. as sad, tend to be very very long, not long, slow but long notes. Slow and long, mm -hmm. as if da da. Mm -hmm. And a happy piece usually dun, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, something that just goes faster. Y yeah, it's s sad pieces are slow. They are long and they are also they have the the notes durations don't vary very much so it's it's ta ta it's like a funeral march you see happy pieces are have no durations that have a lot of variation between them tam pa 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 you see right. sad pieces are very And it's very low in pitch, it's lower in pitch than happier pieces. I wonder if that tells us something about happiness and sadness, that maybe part of happiness is being experimental and daring and moving from thing to another and dwelling in a place has to do yeah. more with a reflective state. Maybe. Not to say that any is more important than the other. Mm -hmm. but yeah. I want to bring up something else that I've been thinking about recently, yeah. that I wonder what your thoughts are about this. We worked together once on producing a version of Yerushalayim Shazahav, Jerusalem <laughs> of Gold. <laughs> That's the famous Jerusalem of Gold. But what we did with it is arranged it for piano and voice and eventually cello mm -hmm. in a way that was never done before. Mm -hmm. We basically applied all of our studies of the highest level of harmony um, that we studied in the classical academies and applied it to this song mm -hmm. and arranged it beautifully. And the result of it was something marvelous and not only we enjoyed it, but the thousands of people mm -hmm. have seen it that let me know how much they enjoyed it. Now, I realized about this about music, that it's not so much about how complex your melody is, mm -hmm. how complex the original song, but much more about how you perform it, how you present it and how you arrange it musically. I noticed how many pieces written by Haydn and Mozart and Bach are the simplest of melodies mm -hmm. that don't compete with any of, let's say, the Jewish melodies I grew up with, but because of the care with which they were arranged, it turns them in so beautiful. Which led me to think, what can that tell us about the nature of music, and also perhaps the nature of life, mm -hmm. but how it's not so much about the details and the thing that you, and the one, the th main thing that you do, but rather about all the surrounding context that mm -hmm. can be applied to it. Yeah. I think that relates to what I said earlier that every passage in music has to not only be only happy or only sad it also applies to complexity every passage in music should be at the same time very complex and very simple when we look at some pieces by Mozart you know I, I played that uh, before the, the, the podcast So when we hear that, the first thing that comes to our mind is 
it's very simple. Maybe it's too simple. But first of all, it's not too simple, but it's very complex also because we have we have three voices, it's basically counterpoint. So it's very complex, also even the, the first period by Bach. It sounds so simple, but there are five voices. And it shouldn't be simplicity for the sake of simplicity or complexity for the sake of complexity. The complexity should serve the simplicity and the, the other way around too. Because this simplicity without the five voices of the counterpoint, it doesn't make the same effect at all. It should... It's not the same thing at all. So, so to get back to the idea, music should be sad and happy at the same time. It should be complex and simple at the same time. It should be everything and its opposite at the same time. It should have everything in it. Of course, there are happy and sad music, pieces of music, but, but every everyone should relate to to a good piece of music. Mm. Yeah. Now, I think the one the most beautiful description of Mozart's music I ever heard was from Einstein, and I very much identified with mm -hmm. it. He mentioned how Mozart's music is so simple, and yet seems to reveal to us all the underlying structure of the universe that were there all, all along, as if we mm -hmm. knew it all along. He makes it all, it's so simple and yeah. so fundamental. Yeah, that, yeah that, that says a lot about Mozart. There is another quote of Arthur Schnabel, yeah, a great pianist of the 19th century. He said that Mozart, Mozart is too difficult to play for adults and too simple for children, <laughs> which is a little bit... It's not true, but it's 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 funny. <laughs> it's very interesting about Mozart that he, he is, I would say, the the best classical composer in the sense of someone who managed to create classical music that is exciting for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know many people who may not know a single tune by Bach, but it's very hard to not have come across at least one Mozart mm -hmm. melody in your life in a movie, in a ringtone, mm -hmm. anywhere it be. And they indeed say that in classical history, Mozart was the first one whom tunes people went around humming on the streets. Mm -hmm. And of course that theme was explored in the movie Amadeus, yeah. where they present Salieri, another composer, as, a, as if he's being jealous of Mozart's popularity. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, part of what makes Mozart so popular, as you pointed out, there's something so simple in his music, mm -hmm. is I identify this as mainly being the symmetry in his music. Mm -hmm. That tunes by Bach, you don't know exactly where they start and where they finish, because mm -hmm. they're very complex in nature. Whereas yeah. a tune by Mozart is very simple. It's always very mm -hmm. symmetrical, mathematical, yeah. seems to follow natural logic and everyone can memorize it, mm -hmm. identify with it. Which yeah. also leads me to another thing that I've been thinking about, I wonder what you think about. That is about the heartbeat of music. Because mm -hmm. you have music which has very strict rhythm. Mm -hmm. An example of it is Mozart, for mm -hmm. example. But of course all composers use it. And then you have music which is very free in character, such as Jewish cantorial music, mm -hmm. or an opera, the recitativo, mm -hmm. where they sing, speak, yeah. there's a mixture of singing and speaking. 
that's the kind of music that in the culture where I grew up it was widespread and we even had tunes like that without a strict rhythm but I noticed that it's very hard for tunes like that to be popular amongst the wider public because people like I think mm -hmm. to hang on to a steady rhythm and an example of it is Mozart who gives people a very mm -hmm. steady stable thing to hold on to I wonder what you make of that that element in music I think it's not a surprise it's not a surprise because rhythm creates a habit, you see? Uh, it creates a habit. And what is the habit here for? The habit is here for us to break it. When there is a habit, it's, there is nothing exciting about a habit. Because we know what's going to happen. But when we break the habit, this is where the emotion comes from. So, so we can't have, we can't break a habit without a habit. This, this is why, for example, um, let me take an example. Okay. Let's play some Rachmaninoff. <laughs> Sorry, Mozart. Here I break, I broke a habit. Syncopation. So normally, for for the listeners who who, who listen to us, um, this is um, a music that that divides its measures in four. first sentence and, and show people what it would have sounded like if it stuck to the habit of and course. what it sounded like when it broke the of habit. Of course. This is the, the original piece. See? And here is the same piece but without syncopation which means we follow the habit. So there is one, two, three, four. One, three, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Uh, I think a rhythm is important the same way that harmony is important. Harmony and tonality it creates, it creates a, a canvas. It creates, it creates a habit, and 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 habits help us create emotion by breaking them. Right. Yeah. So I was focusing my study on the nature of how people like the habit, mm -hmm. but you bringing out the point how one of the exciting things in music to do to people is mm -hmm. breaking the habit. Yeah. And I know that also in performing, um, when you hold a certain note a certain way, rather than sticking to it robotically to the rhythm mm -hmm. of the piece, you hold it a certain way, 
make people long for the continuation, yeah, for the resolution of the tension mm -hmm. you've created. And that's what touches people and brings them to tears because they so identify with it. Mm -hmm. That's when you drag them into the experience mm -hmm. of the music, right? Yeah. You know, I, I thought of of sharing another idea on basis of what I what I what I said earlier. You see, there are three ways of expressing music. We can we can interpret music, we can compose music, and we can improvise. For me, there is a hierarchy. Which one is more important? For example, interpretation, if we relate that to speaking or to reading, interpretation means that you, you basically read the text that someone else wrote. Mm -hmm. Composition, what I mean by composition, it's not the act of composing, it's the act of playing what we have composed. So composition would, would be reading what we have wrote. Mm -hmm. And improvisation it's speaking, it's not reading. So, so for me, the higher up in the hierarchy, there is improvisation, then composition, and then interpretation. Ah, oh, very interesting. Yeah, because... Let me just explain a second to, yeah. to the audience that when we speak about interpretation of music, we speak about the fact that, let's say somebody wrote a song, um, now it's not necessarily he who will be playing it for you, and another musician will come and play it for you. Now that musician is interpreting that song for you. He'll bring it out uniquely in his way that he can bring it out. That's what we mean by interpreting. And that art is especially alive in classical music where the piece leaves room for so much for the performer to interpret and bring in his own breath to the music that it's a whole art in the world of music. Mm -hmm. Now let's go on. And I say that as an interpreter, so it's <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased at all. Um, the logic behind it, that hierarchy is that when we improvise, we basically express our state of, of mind. I don't know if mind is not the, the, the correct word. State of soul. I don't know if we... Yeah. Yeah. So... so you're sharing that, your, your atmosphere, let's say. You're sharing yeah. your inner atmosphere with people around you through yes. your art of improv improvising on your instrument. Yes. So you're basically free to do whatever you want on basis of what you feel. This is improvisation, which is... David is good at it. I, I have to work on it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, I think, the, 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 greatest, the greatest gift that someone can have, or the greatest skill. Uh, to play what we have composed, it's, it's good, but it's not as good as, as impro improvising, because... When we play, we have to be in sync. The, 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 the state of our state of mind ha has to be in sync with what we play. Nothing tells us that the state of mind in which we are, we are playing is the same state of mind in which we were composing two days ago. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. What you're pointing out, I think, is that the, when you improvise in front of people, you're sharing them now, live in the moment, you're creating music mm -hmm. based on this very moment. Yeah. Whereas when you're playing something that you thought of yesterday, then you're restricted to recreating something that was yes. alive yesterday. It mm -hmm. may not come so much to life today. Mm -hmm. And even more so when you're performing someone else's music, which mm -hmm. you call interpretation, 
then you're trying to bring to life something that was never created by you, mm -hmm. but you may have identified with it very yeah. much. Even if you may identify with it, it's it's someone else's state of mind, which which may be totally foreign to me. You see, so so, so I may be. I may be completely wrong by interpreting it because I I never I never lived what the composer lived. So so you know it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but but the, this is the idea that by improvising you can you can do whatever you want. And by the way, for you listeners who may be wondering where you can see this in practice, so most styles of music, which includes from classical to pop to rock to modern to movie, whatever you're listening to. They're all music which has been written in advance. Mm -hmm. And when the performers are playing it for you, they're interpreting for it for you and recreating it for you. What he's talking about is something that only came alive truly in the style of jazz, where musicians improvise in front of the audience. And the reason why it happened in jazz more than any other place is because the style of jazz is about playing with music very much. It plays off of the fundamental structures of music, but then allows itself to be very playful and complex on mm -hmm. top of that. That creates room for a lot of possibilities, which is why jazz became essentially about improvising and playing with people's minds, which is why some people can't relate to jazz at all, whereas mm -hmm. other people find it so freeing. And when we're becoming so good at improvising that it, it basically... It, 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 we improvise at the level that the greatest composers wrote. Like I, th I think of Keith Jarrett. Yeah, I know you love him. Very yeah, much. I, 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 I'm in deep love with his music. He's such a master at improvising that, even if if someone told me that if that that what he played was composed, I, 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 I would have a hard time believing it because it is so good. It's so, it first of all, it's so fluent. It's so and it's so deep at the same time, which which are two things that doesn't go well together you know the the fluency the the spontaneity and the depth mm -hmm. he has the two which is crazy for me he's one of the greatest musicians of of the last two centuries right and, and for myself and as much as i may not choose jazz as my favorite genre i have a great respect for jazz musicians mm -hmm. for the level of competency they must mm -hmm. build up before they're able to improvise so freely yeah Okay, um, now before we close, let me. I hope we didn't bore you with too many details and <laughs> you're able to, to follow whatever your level of appreciation for music is, and we'll attempt to share with you more. But to finish, perhaps on a more intimate note, um, perhaps I can challenge you to tell us what music means to you. Oh. And how much music contributed to your life? Oh, that's a, that's a very intimate question. I remember my, my teacher Odette Chamorny at the academy. At the beginning of every lesson, he made us uh, he made us tell what is the exact definition definition of music, so that we never get lost in in very abstract definitions and very personal definitions. Music is what it is, and then we can make whatever we want of it. Um, music, basically, the exact definition. I don't know. I, I know that it's very uninspiring, but music is a combination of notes that are organized to create emotion. So, what did it do for me? You know, there is there is a case to be made that music 
is merely a combination, at the experience of music is merely a combination of, of immediate pleasures. You see, even great masterpieces, you hear the great masterpieces, you, you feel something very deep during the whole duration of the piece and even a little bit after. But then, what does it do? The, the morning after, you wake up and what, what did it do for you? So there is a case to be made that what is the, what is the, 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 the finality of music? What is the purpose of music and of art in general? But nothing could be more antinomic to the idea of immediate pleasure than art. Art changes lives. It doesn't make us feel in a deep state of mind only for two hours, two hours. Even if those experiences, we never forget about them. We ne I never, I will never forget how, how I felt when I, when I lis listened to Mozart's Requiem and it, it changed my life. I will never forget that it may, it makes us understand, first of all, that there is, I, I speak for myself, there is, um, there is a supreme force, and supreme, supreme, I, without getting too spiritual, there is, there is a great spirit in which I am, I am living. I don't know how to explain it. There is so much things going on which, which I am not conscious of. This is the first thing that music teaches me, which is a great lesson in, humil lesson in humility. And I think humility uh, is essential to live a constructive life, first of all. And then, by the way, it teaches us a lot of things along the way when we practice the idea of I know it's not the, the, the purpose of music but it teaches patience it teaches discipline it teaches rigor to be rigorous it teaches humility even towards your teacher it teaches also self-confidence because you, you won't get anywhere if you, if you don't believe in yourself so this is, by the way, the things that music music teaches us. But you know, I I have always this idea that uh, f to take an orange, you see, if you want to to taste the taste of an orange, you have two options. You can a little bit, you you, you can you can taste um, a, a drop of the orange juice. You can you can taste all of the orange. I think that art makes me taste all of life, not only a drop of it. I appreciate a lot more things than, than, than before. I appreciate nature, which is the greatest work of art. Mm. The greatest. Uh, I, 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 I see things, I see beauty everywhere. So, yeah. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I, I I speak for me. I don't know. <laughs> for, what why did what did he, what did it uh, teach to you? For me, well now I see how difficult that is to answer. Yeah, it's very difficult. 
But uh, for me, I can't even imagine myself without music. Mm-hmm. I would say similarly to you, music brought alive in me the sides of life which people talk about less. Mm-hmm. And I felt more at home in music than in anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, music did it to me the other way around, meaning my only life was music. And slowly I learned to see the music in life. But I started mm-hmm. from music because mm-hmm. I started off in a place where only music spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And without it, I just can't imagine myself. That's where I drew my strength from. That's where mm-hmm. I built myself from. Music always spoke to me so clearly, so directly. At what age? From a very young age. I went to sleep every night uh, from the age of seven with oh, music. Well. <laughs> uh, you were <always>, premature. <laughs> yeah, music it made sense to me always. That's, yeah. that's what led me eventually to, d- to find the science of music. Mm-hmm. It's all about the, the clarity that with which music is able to speak to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think that musicians have to, to be aware of the fact that they can express what they do in different ways i always i I always divide musicians into three categories for me there are there are artists there are musicians broadly speaking and there are instrumentalists Mm -hmm. for example a pianist that plays beethoven sonata a, a pianist that consider that that sees himself an, as an artist will play a bit of a sonata differently than a pianist who sees himself as a, as a musician, and the pianist who sees himself as a music, as a musician will will play the bit of a sonata differently than a pianist who sees himself as an, a mere pianist, because the the artist. Let's take the the pianist. The pianist will will show up he will he will focus on uh, accuracy on speed on the physical and corporal aspect of playing music which is not what what music is about even if it requires that aspect a pianist who sees himself as a musician will focus on the phrasing on the structure on the on the timbre, I, I don't know if we mm-hmm. say that in English. Timbre, yeah. Timbre. And the pianist who sees himself as an artist, of course he will consider the, the aspects of, of physicality, the accuracy and also the phrasing. But, but all those aspects will be subordinate to a greater goal, which is to transmit an emotional or spiritual message, a very specific spiritual message mm-hmm. or intellectual, I don't know, it depends on the piece. But a, a pianist who sees himself as an artist, before playing the Beethoven sonata, he will tell to himself, I want to make the audience feel that. Not I want to to impress the audience with my virtuosic processes. Mm-hmm. Not I want to impress the audience with the little nuance I make here. That is not the, the, the aim of the artist. So, so the artist, the musician and the pianist, the three of them have different goals and, and so they have different whys. So, so 
and I think at that level too there is a hierarchy of obviously an artist is the worth of an artist is 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 greater than the worth of a musician. Mm. I always tend, I always, uh, how do we say that? I I look forward to be a true artist. It's not always easy because sometimes we want to impress <laughs> but you know it's very it's very low level low, low level uh, expression it, it, this is not what i what i look forward 